0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Are back here on Block Talk Radio and this is a practice favorite sports
0: programming
1: network Manatic radio five on blocktalkradio.com. Broadcasting live video Y C C C through our man cave today. I am Michael Gardner joined with me as always my partner in crime, writer and creator
2: of 360com and Florence. Good to be back, isn't it? Uh, it's always great to be back to you, Mike. this is uh Wow, you know, so many people have been asking. like, oh, so when's the radio
1: coming? We're back now. I know. it. So it's been, it's been a while. Uh, once again, phone number to call in, 646-595-3137. This is Snack Radio, brought to you by Wallet, and ReadyU, where the ReadyU Corporation is a resource that provides content experiences and solutions needed to look and feel good, excel socially, and get a job and save money. Visit the ReadyU Facebook page to show your support. That is the ready You through Procter and Gamble. We have some sponsors on this show now. Yeah. We have stepped our game up. Yeah. But of course this is that. our this is our first show back. Sorry we couldn't get you to do last Friday. Our women's soccer team was too busy picking up another W on their season.
3: <laughs>
1: and,
4: <laughs>
1: and for the most part we're a special edition Wednesday episode. We will be back Friday from four to five. Same bat time, same bat channel. Well, since that is our first show of the year, I guess we should tell you guys uh, what we did this summer. And VFLO. I heard you were
2: uh, up in the uh, the wonderful wilderness of the north. I was. I was working up as a counselor for a few months from uh, mid-June to August, mid-August. A few days right before heading back to AU was I was at, uh, working at a YMCA camp of Nakey up in uh, North Hero, Vermont. Here. Thirty minutes, forty-five minutes north of uh, Burlington, so real close to Canada, on beautiful Lake Champlain. It was, it was great. Made some decent coin. How about you, Mike? What'd you do? I heard you had an interesting job.
1: Yeah, I did. I was um, media relations intern at Texas Motor Speedway, uh, thumbing around for summer employment, looking for a last resort. And I think thinking to myself, you know, I, I feel like I was reaching too, too big. When it came to trying to find internships, you know, because you have the, the NFL, the MLBs, the USA Todays, ESPN, and I thought, well, you know, it's, it's a thing I know very well, uh, being a big NASCAR fan, which we will talk about later in the show, don't you worry, and I thought, well, it's just only an hour from down the road, I had my first actual job in review, it was a very cool experience, had a great time, got to witness so behind the scenes, sort of the business side of everything. And that in itself is great. They actually invited me back. I'll be going back in November, so we'll have more there about we that. go. All right, but uh, let's get jumping into sports. With what do you want to start with first? How about the NFL? Go I feel for like me. that was a huge event. Week two, as Brent's saying, week two. Tons of storylines, but no bigger than the Monday Night Football game, which I'm guessing you did watch. Absolutely. Of the replacement refs, as really. if it's still the second week of a five-week. Uh, deal that Roger Goodell says the replacement refs will be in, and needless to say, Tyler, our very own Tyler Smith said the game lasted four hours. Yeah. I See, mean, thoughts on time.
2: I mean, here's the thing. Last week, week one, I mean, the replacement refs in the preseason, they were pretty bad. They, the spin was put on by the NFL. They were getting a little bit better, and they might have been. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of preseason, but week one, for the most part, uh, the exception of the Seahawks-Cardinals game where they lost track of timeouts. They They did not. They did too. They gave the Seahawks an extra timeout. Fortunately, it didn't come back to them because Arizona ended up winning. But for the most part, week one, it was fine. This past week has been a disaster across the board. You had in the Eagles-Ravens game a clear incomplete pass which was followed by just... The refs not doing anything, and then ruling a turnover when it was so clearly a forward pass. Yeah, it was just. And then last night, it was just a debacle. I I wasn't paying fully attention to the game last night, but I saw the highlights. You know, there was a disastrous fumble call turned into a little scuffle. Guys threw punches. It. it appeared that uh, Ray Edwards son of the Falcons. Threw a couple punches, which normally means for automatic ejection, but don't tell that to these guys. I mean, this week, I think, now realize that we need the regular officials back. The NFL could sell us on last week, but this week has just been a nightmare. I feel punches thrown,
1: really. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, threw, he threw a couple slugs. I know, uh... But, of course, yeah, here is uh, another interesting bit from Week 1 of the NFL. Steven
0: Dostkowski has come on the field to try to win the game for the Patriots when it looked like the Cardinals had it in their back pocket, leading 20-18. to 18. But a fumble by Ryan Williams. Setting it up, this will be a 42-yard field goal. Remember, nobody better than Clash Campbell, blocking field goal. And there is the kick, and the pick is so good. He... Pulled it over to the left with one second to go. <laughs> An incredible turn of events here in Foxborough. Here's the referee, David Scott. Wow, gaskowski
2: four for four on field goals going into that one. Just pulls it. It's such a reliable kicker. And what it a game it's been here today.
1: CBS is called the Patriots Arizona Cardinals game. Uh
2: Fox. Was Fox, Fox was it? Yeah.
1: Then um Radkowski missing
2: a forty two yard field goal? Yeah. Um it was something like that. It was weird. I was watching I was watching that game and you know, the Cardinals they had they was third and long, but New England couldn't stop the clock. So all they had to do, in my opinion, all they had to do was just take a knee. Take a knee. Kill clock. Cut the ball deep. That's all you need to do. They did a toss play. Um, Williams lost the ball. It was ridiculous. And the Patriots, they couldn't move the ball that well. And they went for field goal G- Gaskowski, and he missed it. It was it was a, just such a bizarre game. The Cardinals gave every... They basically laid down the platter for the Patriots to take in, and, and nothing happened. It was any other wild
1: games that you want to share for this weekend? I heard, the because I was actually uh, visiting family on Sunday, so I got a chance to uh, watch most of the games, but and also on Saturday night, it's college football, which we'll touch briefly. But apparently you said, uh, Tyler Tomei told me that there was no picture on NBC on Sunday and no audio on Fox.
2: Yeah, it was it was really weird. I noticed this la- Saturday night. Actually, Saturday afternoon, I wanted to turn on the uh the Nationals-Braves game in Atlanta on uh, Fox. The game was on fox aired Baseball, and there was no audio. It was weird. You turned the vol- volume all the way up, there was a weird buzzing sound. So it was just bizarre. That's why I tried to avoid watching Fox. There was only one game on Sunday on Fox. and And then I noticed on NBC, there wasn't anything. There was no picture. I had to watch some of the game online. It was... I I don't I don't get it I you know I don't understand how this happens I mean cable stuff it's uh, just to be frank <laughs> of course this is anything better than the placement the refs if
1: you think you can do a better job with the refs write to us at we are not affiliated with the NFL Black Radio Washington D.C. wherever we are but um co- uh, college football speaking of you not hearing the game. Gus Johnson did uh, the Stanford USC game. Yes, yeah. and <laughs> amazing things in the polls. A very exciting game, uh so Stanford jumped from twenty-first to ninth. Are you surprised
2: at how good this Cardinal team is? Uh, I'm not that surprised. Uh, I was a little concerned coming in this season with uh, they have new quarterback Josh Newman, I want to say after That's Andrew right. Luck, he, he was really inconsistent in Week One. I believe in San Jose State, the only one by, do I don't want to say. And so, but the thing with this USC team, I thought they'd be a national title team because their offense is just so good, but they don't have a lot of depth, and their defense was inconsistent. And when they played a tough physical team like Stanford, their woes got shown, and thus it was, it was a good win for Stanford. I mean, they've been good. I, I, don't, I still don't think now looking at the Pac-12, I still think, or not still think, I think four, but now I look like, Oregon looks like the team to beat. But Oregon also hasn't played anybody, so you know, Pac twelve is still
1: a little wide open. Alright, so um another big thing in the college in the college world, Notre Dame. They beat Michigan State in a prime time match. Which was a very I'm I'm surprised at how well this Notre Dame team has done.
2: But so far did you expect that they would be undefeated? I I did not. I thought two no maybe. Even though the Purdue game was a tough fight, and it clearly was. They needed a little late game heroics. But I was really surprised at how well their defense played against Michigan State, who don't have a great offense, but they love to run the ball. But their offense was completely miserable. Notre Dame's offense wasn't great. Everett uh, Golson, who's their quarterback. Golson or Golden? Golson. Golson, yeah, out of brain for it right there. And. He's played pretty well. He's more of a of a uh, multi-purpose quarterback. He can run, so the, he works really well in Brian Kelly's spread. And Brian Kelly, gotta give him credit. He's got this team playing really well. They're playing a Michigan team Saturday night in South Bend, and a Michigan team that's been pretty inconsistent this year. They got destroyed by Alabama. They've been they're basically relying on Justin Hard Robinson right now. So I think Notre Dame could take that, and I don't think it's so crazy. See, maybe Notre Dame in the BCS. I know that's what, just what Tyler Tomeo wants to hear, but you know I think it could happen.
1: And it's interesting. Just before the show, you were talking to me about the uh, the lack of of competitive games this week. Though we have some some dandies on hand. Uh, we have, as you mentioned, the Michigan Notre Dame game. That'll be in NBC at seven thirty Saturday night. Oklahoma Kansas State. I uh, never would expect K-State to be uh, 15th in the country, but this is a good chance to see Oklahoma, mm-hmm. to see how well Bob Stoop has his team ready. Game I'm looking forward to, Florida State-Clemson. Mm. Mm, me too. And uh, Todd's Boyd still quarterback? Yep, Clemson? Yep, someone who can definitely make a Heisen run. And uh, the Jimbo Fisher-Florida State team, big matchup on ABC.
2: Of course. I think these are definitely the clear two best teams in the ACC, and they play in the same division. So I think this game, really, whoever wins this has the inside track. I mean, Either could very well fall apart. And initially, I picked Clemson, but while Florida State, they haven't really beaten anybody, but they've destroyed everyone. I talked about on the blog, Florida State, they played Wake Forest on Saturday. And I'm like, you know what? Florida State is so much better than this Wake Forest team, but this is a game that Florida State could lose, because they have lost to Wake Forest the last couple of years, I believe. But they certainly have struggled with it. They completely demolished them. And I think that their offense has been real uh, real uh, solid, solid play offensively. The defense has been awesome. And I think while Clemson's defense is playing better than I thought they would, they've run in uh, Brennan Venables, Oklahoma, and their offense is so great. i got to give the slight edge to uh, Florida State at home. I love to see Florida State do well, especially
1: uh, – for a team that is so much firepower. And now I feel Florida is not doing that well, especially the, also the U. Mm-hmm. Florida State has to take supreme role. And of course, the ACC is so wide open. You think about it, the Virginia Techs and the Georgia Tech. Yeah. Uh, but I'm surprised how well Clemson is doing. Uh, the two teams I'm surprised to see in the top ten are definitely Stanford and Clemson. The OUK State game. Kansas State, a team that should be uh, forced to be reckoned with? Kansas
2: State, I... The thing with them last year is that they came out of nowhere. They didn't really beat anybody great, but they played uh, Oklahoma State really tough. I liked them a lot coming into this year, even though they only had three starters returning on offense. But it was Colin Klein who's their quarterback. But it's kind of funny calling him a quarterback because he runs so much and he's built like a truck. He's like he's built like Tim Tebow, and he's a real physical runner. And his passing game's gotten a lot better then I, I'm forgetting their running back's name, but hey, those two, they have a great running game. Their defense has been looking pretty well. I actually, because you know, I wanted to mix it up, I had Oklahoma go into the national championship game, and immediately when I made the pick, I'm like, Oklahoma's going to end up losing to somebody because that's what Oklahoma does. And so my national title game was USC-Oklahoma, and I'm picking Kansas State to beat Oklahoma because so my national championship game. Going right out the window. Of course, yeah, because you, you were hesitant picking. Um, I want to say it was Notre Dame last week. Yeah, I I really was. I well, I believe I actually picked Michigan State. Pick Michigan State because I thought that their running game would be able to carry them over the Fighting Irish. But I thought it'd be a good game. And it always is when those two teams play. So I've been really impressed by what I've had to see from this Fighting Irish Club. All right, and uh, switching gears back from
1: football uh, college, back to the pro game. Uh, news today that, uh, sort of a melancholy thing here on Fanatic Radio, uh, Steve Sable, the son of of Ed Sable, who's in the Hall of Fame, as, mm-hmm. you, as you told me earlier today, uh, passed away from brain cancer, and here is uh, Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Rosillo on their show today to talk about the legacy of Sable. NFL Network. That was the SVP show earlier today. Um, sad news in that, bro, because I think Ed Sable uh, had just passed away a few years ago. Yeah. And so now, uh,
2: as he mentioned, legacy. Do you see this as a legacy? Absolutely. I mean, you look at NFL films, It was, it's the most honored company, most the biggest award-winning company by far in sports documents. Really isn't close. And they really change. I, I consider the two most people uh, responsible for how popular the NFL is today. Steve who who's commissioner from the 60s, let's see the merger, right into, so Paul Tegney took over in the 90s. And, and Steve Sable, I mean, Ed Stable, built the company, but Steve Stable kind of took it into, pushed them forward, because you look at NFL Films production, they, they do so much. And if I, I talked about it from the blog last night. It they helped they played a huge part in turning NFL players from like these blue athletes. to make them look, It was almost like you're watching a ballet or a battle. You know, you had the epic music, the off the unbelievable narration, and it just completely you know the tight focus on the spiral, the slow motion camera shot. And it really changed the game way how sports are viewed forever.
1: As true. Um, as, as Ryan Russillo put it, uh, that that iconic voice. That's I've never ever. Um, Heard the word frozen tundra without thinking of oh, yeah. that. The one man's frozen. voice, and then John. And then the soundtrack it's actually uh, to those cartoon fans out there. Um, yeah. SpongeBob, remember that yeah. theme? They did. Oh, I remember theme, that. That theme is. Uh, they
2: brought. They brought a bunch of NFL fans. It's called. Great. It's called the lineman, I
1: think, is what it yeah. is. And those all those when you go to the hall, the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Uh, that's all you're hearing is that music. Yeah, And like you said, the videos and half of the NFL network and ESPN Classic, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. with this, um,
2: Absolutely.
1: especially when Super Bowl weekend rolls around, uh, definitely it's people to laugh for. It's also, um, as Scott Van Pelt put it, it's someone, they set the benchmark for a lot of these media companies. You know, NASCAR media is trying everything they can to sort of do similar things yeah. as well. MLB network as well. And uh Commissioner Roger Goodell said Steve Sable was the creative genius behind the remarkable work of NFL Films. His passion for football was matched by his incredible talent and energy. His legacy will be part of the NFL forever. He was a major contributor to the success of the NFL, a man who changed the way we look at football and sports. A true great fan. Definite that. But um we'll definitely give you a s well, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Chase Baseball and more Notre Dame news that ultimately could shake up college sports as we know it. Stay with us. Ben Flores, Milo Gardner. You are listening to Fanatic Radio on BlockTalkRadio.com.
0: Imagine me and you, I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love. So happy together If I should call you up, invest a dime And you say you belong to me, then ease my mind Imagine how the world could be So very fine, so happy together Together I can't see me Loving nobody but you For all my life When you will be me Baby, the skies will be blue For all my life Me and you And you and me No matter how they toss the dice It had to be The only one for me Together Together ooh, ooh, ooh. So happy Together
1: on Fanatic Radio blogtalkradio.com. I'm Florence Michael Gardner, brought to you by Oddwall. Make sure you enjoy the pure goodness of its amazing smoothies and protein bars. Also, ReadyU from Procter & Gamble. College students, ReadyU is a resource that provides content and experience, solutions needed to look and feel good, excel socially, get a job, and save you money. Visit ReadyU Facebook page for more information. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook, search Fanatic Radio, being able to keep up to date with the Twitter and Facebook posts and uh, pretty funny tidbits that we post on our site. Visit b blog at bflow 360 Also, follow him on Twitter because we will get to that segment later, oh, in, the, later in the show. <laughs> and I'm missing anything else. Oh, yeah, 646-595-3137 is the number to call in. We have discussed many things about... How we could be better refs, which we'll probably think of ways that ourselves could improve the refing world. Uh, the passing of Steve Sable and one of the NFL Network and NFL Films means to the legacy of possibly the most dominant sports enterprise in the world. I guess unless soccer's, but soccer is a sport. NFL is sort of the most dominating league. And uh big news right now the if uh, the nerd inviting Irish are going to the ACC and except football and hockey. This has to be the final blow in the domino effect of the entire conference realignment, isn't
2: it? Make your feet down. I was completely zoning out. Uh,
1: the, I'm so sorry. Now I'm moving to the, to the ACC. This is the this is what essentially is the final domino in the college football or college sports conference realignment.
2: I'm not so certain on that yet. Because if Notre Dame had joined the ACC completely in football, if because if, they're still independent, if they had joined completely. I think that would have been the domino that really sends. But I think now NBA, Notre Dame wanted to remain independent because they wanted their fle- uh, scheduling flexibility. Which they've had trouble the last few years because they don't want their thing is they've never scheduled an FCS team. They don't want to play cup games because. When you look at them, when they play more quality opponents, yeah, it's a little tough with when you have like young teams, and so you're more prone to losing games. But also, you look at it, it's more attractive games for NBC. Like NBC has had to air games like Tulsa-Notre Dame, which is not that. And actually, that was a great game a few years ago. But um, now, NBC, uh, Notre Dame, they get five ACC opponents for football each year. They'll still keep, they'll keep Navy. They have to. That's mandatory, that's yes, right? the 5 they're, ACC. They're going to keep, yeah, they have that every year. So every two and a half years, they'll cycle through the entire ACC. Get Notre, uh, Navy, Stanford, and USC will stay on the schedule. So that leaves four uh, games each year, by my math, and I'm not a math major. So you get, you get Michigan, Michigan State in the mix, more, more some of those uh, Big Ten schools, and uh Notre Dame's geographic footprint. So really for them, they wanted the scheduling flexibility. They didn't want to have to play scrubs. And I feel everyone, everyone's a winner except for Big East who lose another product and basketball. But even that is not a huge loss because they still keep a lot of their crop. And I think bigger losses for them were losing Syracuse and Pitt.
1: Essentially, this makes the ACC the best basketball conference next year, doesn't it? I agree. Because you have Syracuse and Pitt coming in. Uh, Notre Dame, who Mike Bray's team always does well, especially with the, with the defensive minded program that he has. Duke, North Carolina. Uh, Florida State with uh, Leonard Hamilton has definitely been on the rise in past years. Mm-hmm. Miami with, um, blinking out his name, La- Jeff uh, Laranaga, the guy from. Yeah, Larenaga. Jim Laranaga. Jim Laranaga. North Carolina State made the tournament, didn't they? Uh, They didn't. Actually, no, they did. So they did make wow, the tournament. Wow, had
2: a brain for it.
1: Because uh, they beat someone big, didn't they? They I believe they got out.
2: For, UConn or Georgetown. I think it was, it was Georgetown. One of those two yeah one of the two big Yeah, teams it was one Georgetown. I remember now. They played North Carolina. Exactly. So
1: that and then you then you like I said, you had the two new teams or three new teams and this makes a, this a dominating conference unlike the world has ever seen. I'm gonna win by saying that. But that's gonna make college basketball exciting because what does the big East have now? I guess UConn, they're going, and now that Jim Calhoun is retired, they're a team that's falling in a a whirlwind. And then at the same time, you also have,
2: oh, I don't even know who's in there. Okay, I heard Memphis. Memphis Well, the schools that are moving in, Temple moved in this year, and then you're going to get Houston, uh, SMU, UCF, and Memphis. Those are all going. They're going to be full-time members. Then for football, they're going to get Boise State, San Diego State, and Navy. So the football products will be pretty. It'll be pretty subpar. Basketball will still be good. They're bringing in Memphis. Uh, UCF's program's not awful. They're kind of building. Houston used to be good, so there is some pedigree there. Even though they've been terrible of late. So, but really, the big thing with them is Memphis. And Memphis could be a good football program if they're A.D. cared about football at all, quite frankly, because they do have a lot of resources. Yeah, so
1: any of those teams, all those teams going in for basketball as well? Yeah, uh, except for Boise State, San Diego State, Navy are all football only. Yeah, because speaking of Navy, the Patriot League, they added two new teams as well, Boston, Loyola, Maryland. Mm. Oh, yes. And could you
2: see a uh, conference championship game being played in the PL? Uh, I certainly hope so now. We're going to have 10 members. I think that can make for a soul conference. And still, we have the same footprint from Washington, D.C. to Boston. So I think maybe, I know we speculated last year doing something in Philadelphia, and whether it's the whole tournament or more likely, for just like the semifinals and finals, which would be really cool. So and both, both of the schools make sense. Neither of them play football. So it just, both those schools make a lot of sense.
1: It's funny that you mention that because my boss talking to me the other day about having a game, running at the Palestra, and I was like, that's clearly something you heard on Fanatic Radio. But we'll switch gears now from college sports to uh, baseball. It's getting to that time of year where October is slowly creeping on us. And with us, as always, we have a Washington Times writer and a good friend of ours, Tom Shad. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to call in.
4: Hey, thanks for having me, Mike.
1: All right, so you definitely have the inside scoop on the Washington Nationals. What has been the, the sort of the overall mood in the clubhouse these past few weeks?
4: Um, the mood, especially two weeks ago, was was really kind of weird. Um, Stephen Strasburg got shut down unexpectedly a week before um, the Nats had said that they were going to shut him down. Um, so that was the last time I was out at the park, and it was uh, it was really weird because everybody was you know, excited. They were they were winning. They've they've Strung together a few wins here recently, um, save for the last series. Um, but that just kind of put a damper on everything, kind of the whole the whole Strasburg um, situation. But but overall, I'd say, you know, they've already had, I think it's at least half a dozen or ten more wins than they had last season in its entirety. So, you know, they're definitely on the fast track to uh, to at least the division round of the playoffs.
1: I also saw that this year. I went to the game that I'm guessing you were covering this as well, the one that it rained out for like four hours Ended at 9 for yeah. the Miami Marlins. They were saying they uh, surpassed 2 million fans this year. This is the first time since 2008. And now you have the whole Steven Strasburg thing. Is it unusual, I guess, in your opinion, to shut down Strasburg? Is this a smart move on their part?
4: I, I really do think it's a smart move. Um, I think the, the majority of people who don't think it's a smart move are outside Washington and uh i think one of our columnists at the washington times made a good point that you know maybe it's cuz we're closer to the action and have more of a more of a stake and and really know the people that you know make all these decisions but I, I think it really is you know the smartest thing that they could possibly do for his his long-term future and if you look at the entire club i mean they're they're pretty young you know pretty much everywhere with the exception of maybe um adam laroche and, and jason worth you know they're a young team and they could contend for you know, the next four or five years to come. So I think they really had to look long-term, and I think ultimately that was a smart move.
1: So the number of Nats games that you've seen so far, is this team ready to make a legitimate run in the playoffs?
4: I I really think they are. Um, obviously, it's going to come down to pitching, and uh, their their top guys have really struggled of late. Um, Geo had a really rough outing against the Braves uh, last week. So I, I think if their pitching can keep it together – um, particularly their bullpen, keep it together down the stretch and then get some timely hits. I honestly think that they could they could be a World Series team. I, I don't want to hype that up too much, but I think they legitimately could be there. I don't think anybody would be surprised to see them there.
1: All right, and so uh, switching from baseball to football, what were your thoughts on these past two weeks from your boy Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos? It seems like one week everyone was telling him that he has immediately made this team a Super Bowl contender. And then they go down into Atlanta. What are your thoughts of Manning so far in your Denver Broncos?
4: I mean, I mean Peyton obviously has looked, you know, on and off. Um, I think the first game and, and in the second half against Atlanta, we really saw the Peyton that we were so used to seeing in Indianapolis. Um, you know, working the no huddle, stringing together some, some good drives there. Um, but as a Broncos fan, I've just come to realize that, like, it's not all about one player. And that's what I think is so funny with ESPN and the media is that it's all about, you know, Tebow won the game for you, Tebow lost it, Peyton won the game for you, Peyton lost it. You know, we've we've got a bunch of other guys on the team that are also playing the game. So um, I think ultimately, you know, the Broncos are only going to go as far as, as, you know, they can take themselves. I think Peyton obviously helps and makes us stronger. And I think that he will get better as the season goes on. Um, but I don't think it's all about him, and that's what's kind of frustrating for me as a fan is that everything is always about Peyton and not about you know the Broncos team.
1: Because I'm looking at their schedule, especially in the AFC West, and after watching the Kansas City Chiefs uh, get smashed by Buffalo again, and then you have the Oakland Raiders, and San Diego Chargers are uh, sort of a toss-up. It seems like Denver essentially controls their own destiny, don't they?
4: Um, yes and no. I'd say in the division, we've got a Fairly easy ride, um, especially with how Kansas City's played lately. Um, but we also have one of the toughest schedules um, out of our division in the entire NFL. You know, you started out first three games right off the bat were Pittsburgh, um, Atlanta, and then we're we're playing the Texans this upcoming week. So, you know, it, it hasn't really been easy outside of our division. Um, but I do think that once we get into the divisional games, you know, if we can go in to the, the meat of the division schedule with, you know, winning record or, you know, 5-2 and two or whatever, I think then we'll really be in a good in a good position um, to win the West.
1: And also, uh, we'll get you out of here on this time. Your thoughts on Loyola Maryland becoming the 10th team into the Patriot League. Do you see the PL with 10 teams for a good steady amount of time, or do you see it this as sort of a buffer with Navy and Army jumping
4: ship? I, I can see this being stability for the Patriot League honestly. It has to be. Um, it has to be. It, yeah, I think it really has to be and I think that they're they're really playing the smart because they see everybody, you know, switching conferences, all the the realignment nonsense going on. I think they just want to get where they're they're going. I think this was a long-term plan that the the conference had to grow to 10 teams and I think they're just going to hang out at 10 teams here for the next years. I don't think there's any need for them to expand. Um, I think Loyola brings a really different type of school to the league. Obviously, they're not as strong um, academically, but they are stronger athletically. You know, particularly lacrosse and men's basketball. So it'll be really interesting to see how that dynamic works with the rest of the the teams in the conference. But yeah, I think in in terms of the the Patriot League, I think that they're they're pretty much set and uh, they're where they want to be for the next. 5, 10,
1: 15 years. I was say, look out, Big East. We have a new conference, new mid major conference oh, on yeah. the
4: rise. And of course, thank you
1: to Tom Schaues. He's our Washington Nationals insider and our Denver sports fanatic. Thank you once again, Tom, for joining us here on Fanatic Radio.
4: Thanks, Mike. All right. Once again, phone number
3: 646
1: 595 3137. Uh, Three minutes left, so we will go ahead and alert the wonderful people listening live. If you do get cut out during this interview of our weekly conversation, please don't get mad. Just go to Facebook.com slash Fanatic Radio to listen to the podcast on iTunes. You can search Fanatic Radio. Look for the radio tower with the multicolored, um, what are those called, wavelengths, Yes. I guess you can say. We have a very interesting guest this week. Uh, for uh, American athletics, we'll just get everyone up to date. The men's soccer team has been doing very strong, outscoring their opponents fifteen to seven despite a two zero two zero loss to West Virginia last Saturday. First time ever this year they got shut out. Women's soccer picked up a tie against George Washington. They have had a win and a tie their past two games. Flyball actually plays Wednesday night, Friday, and Saturday. <clears throat> the Friday game is against Army, which is a rematch of the Patriot League Championship last year. Could be a possible future look to come in November when hopefully AU hosts the four-game tournament. And field hockey, a team that started 0-4 this year, but they to be playing one of the toughest schedules in the country. Ended up picking their first two W's of the season at the Terrapin Invitational in College Park, winning 3-0 against Dartmouth. And a very exciting 2-1 double overtime victory. With the game winning goal score by. Ironically, our first female guest on this show, Shelly Montgomery, and she had a time to sit down with us, to talk about that and her season so far. First off, congratulations on the two wins Thank this you. past weekend. Thank you. Uh, no, it's, I know you told me, I think it was Sunday, you so said it was the greatest moment of your life.
3: Yes. Now, <laughs> hasn't officially sunk in yet. I mean, I still am a little, I, it's still really hard to believe that I scored that goal. That was the first goal of, or, that I scored this season. And um, I think what was most surprising was in, in that moment, it wasn't actually supposed to be my shot. I was supposed to give it back to Gina. And she's, you know, the senior, this amazing player. And I was like, oh, well, she's got it. And um, in the moment, when I looked back to pass ball back to her, she was being covered. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> this is me. I, I have to step up here. and um, I think just the surprise that I was able to still follow through, even though I wasn't really prepared for it, um, got me pretty excited. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say it's the, the best moment of my life anymore, <laughs> but it definitely felt like that um, for a while.
1: How big was that win for you guys? You did know, before the game, you guys, 0-4, oh now after this weekend, to win in guess, dramatic fashion,
3: well, I mean, I, I definitely feel like we're um, still building up a lot, and we still have a lot to work on and learn, but, um, you know, we have a really, really challenging schedule and playing some really amazing teams, so I think that it was a little bit of a gamble, you know, with, um, you know, coming up with, it. we had ODU, Ohio State, a lot of really tough teams, um, but I think what was, what was most important about this weekend was, you know, just remembering to really believe in ourselves that we are capable of winning, and we are a good team, cause and after a couple losses, you can get stuck in in that you know mindset that you know can we really do this? And can't think like that because then <laughs> you won't be successful at all. So, was your coach tend to sort of keep you
1: guys? No, I guess you you as a team. You guys of so keep your spirits high. Um, good
3: question. <laughs> Let's see. Well, I mean, we it it was definitely difficult after coming out of um, four losses, but. I think just the the biggest thing was um, still being able, seeing individuals come to practice still and still have the same energy and same, um, you know, positivity as if we were winning those four games. So I think, and especially looking to the leaders of our team, and Gina and Alex and Jacqueline and a lot of our really big leaders, um, to really bring people up um, and really, especially since we're such a young team, show people that, you know, this isn't who we are. We're not a losing team, but this just happens to be. It is now, and I think that really brought people in, and um, ended up really working out for us this weekend. So um, hopefully coming up, we'll keep going. This weekend helped out with that a lot. Yes, oh yes, it did. Um, We actually last week had a um, team event where we went and and rode with the um, or the crew team um, at AU, and I think that was really fun. Woke up I woke up at three twenty (laughs) a.m. to to be there, and um, you know it was such a great team bonding experience that I think brought a little extra something that we were missing um, on our team, which was I think really trusting each other. Um, and I think it just helped so much. And it was funny how something so simple like that um, can help, but I think that really did bring us together in a different way that practicing couldn't just do. That you was know? before last weekend. That was before last weekend. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that. But, yeah, it was, it was so much fun, and I am a terrible – I know that now that is not where I meant to be. <laughs> um, luckily my my teammates were a lot better than I was. Um I also had three stitches in my fingers, so it was a little hard to grip the <laughs> the paddle, but um but it did it did bring a lot of people together and it taught us a lot. Um the girls were so great with us teaching us how, you know, we need to constantly be listening to um the coxswain telling us what to do and constantly be trying to set the boat so people can row and
1: um, and really great pro- um, exercise for us. Uh, for you this year, you mostly played forward your first two years. Now you've started to play a
3: lot more midfield. Yeah.
1: Has that been a big transition at all? Or
3: yeah, you know, um, well, unfortunately and fortunately, um, our freshman, um, one of the freshman um, girls, Julie, went to back to Belgium to play um, in the inner. It was the under under twenty World Cup, so um, she was. She left, and she's our midfield. So Steve was telling me, you know what? You got to step to the midfield and play there for a little bit. And um, it was a little scary to be honest. <laughs> but um, I also loved the opportunity because it's all just being able to sort of give other people a goal. Because I think I got two assists being in that position. It's kind of more fun than than, than being a, a forward because I get to I get to see if other people score off of my passes or do something really good off of that. and it was a really cool experience um, going from that. I'm glad I'm back to the forward line, thank goodness, um, because Julie's back and is doing a wonderful job. So I'm back to the forward line. Um, I forgot how to play it for a little while, but I think after a couple of days I'm remembering what my own position is like. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. Like for the X's and O's, what is the major difference? Like it's just, you know, further down yeah. the Oh yes. Um, we well the biggest thing I, I think, um, for me was I am you're responsible for so much more being in the midfield because you have to set up your forwards to be in the right position on press on the press. And if you're not in the right position then we're all doing an eighty yard sprint back because one ball can let us all and it was a lot of pressure to to be like, If I'm not on this girl, she's gonna get it and I'm gonna be running like to the to the D trying to keep up with her and um, but it was it was really fun and I, I learned so much um i had to do a lot more defense than i'm used to so there were a couple of pretty bad fouls that i had in the beginning until i started to realize okay this is how you tackle i do remember now um but but yeah it was, it was definitely a good experience just because now i'm on i'm back to the other end of it Being, having to listen to people behind me and trust that they they know where i need to be um and having to listen to them so Yeah, that's so true. It's, if we don't listen to each other, if we're not talking, it's like you're one man out there alone, and um, and it's really easy not to talk. It's really hard to actually say something, and um, that's been a really big focus for the past weeks, months in practice, so um, it's still something we're working on, but it's getting monumentally better, um, and I, I have a lot more confidence in the people behind me telling me where to be. I'm getting a lot better listening to them, which sometimes I get in my own tunnel, and I'm just thinking that I know best, which
1: is not true. All right, that was um, American University field hockey player Shailen Montgomery. She's a junior, and their team travels to Quinnipiac, going one and one at the Michigan State University Invitational. Best of luck for them. Also, I'm surprised it took us two years to finally get a female guest on the show, but I have to say, it was worth the wait, wasn't it, Flo? I, hey, we always got to get more
2: <laughs> women in the mix. That's That's been my principle.
1: All right, so now it is time for what is uh, critically acclaimed, best segment on radio. It is time for Tweets from Flo. Oh, we yeah. What we basically do is go to at, ha, uh, at sign flow 360 and look at the wonderful, hilarious tweets because I'm guessing every single one has a story behind them. Oh yes. All right, so this one was from last week, but I might as well touch base with it. Uh, you mentioned, and you mentioned this on Sports Zone last week as well. You said new background, a tribute
2: to the new Smash Mouth album.
1: Apparently, you saw these guys in concert over the summer. Yes,
2: it was. It was a great story between us. So, i remember I was in I was working at camp. Uh, and I mentioned Burlington, Vermont, north of Burlington. And I noticed a friend of mine who had went to uh, University of Vermont. There's a, a concert venue called Higher Ground in Burlington. So what happened was, they, my room, uh, I was a friend of mine who's also from New Jersey. He found out he said, "Oh, Smash Bros. is playing in a few weeks." I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome! I'd love to go." And but. And so it turned out I actually forgot about it. Turned up my night off. Fell during that time. Guy, a couple guys asked me if I wanted to go. I'm like, yes, Smash Mouth. And so we saw Smash Mouth. It was just so funny because they're like, oh, we're gonna party all night, and they were on for like 75 minutes. They did an encore. It was one song. Uh, they, we basically had to sing... The crowd had to sing half there. It was like a couple hundred people. It's not a huge... Yeah, so wait, well, how big was the venue there? It's at? It's not very... It, it's not a huge venue. Uh, there were probably like a couple hundred people. They're not a huge crowd. I mean, they are popular, what, like... 12 years ago? Of course. So, on the now... I think it was now three. Yeah. And then they announced, so... Oh, we are effing back. And another swear. Um. The... Uh, the lead singer was totally drunk. Faces with he was he looked like he was coked out of his mind, and it was just such a weird, hilarious concert. And they have a new album coming out, and I listened to a little bit of it. It's it's pretty terrible. So yeah, don't don't buy it. But yes. Okay. So did they did they
1: by any chance play this song? They, didn't,
2: they seriously played that song. How how many songs do you know by uh, Arrow, uh not Arrow, Smash. Smash Mouth? I mean, I know, like, I can think of, like, five songs, a couple of which are covers. Like, of course they're going to play that song. It's not like they have a huge, long playlist. They have, like, a five-year run, essentially, where they people cared about them and then they disappeared. Of course they played that. And so they have a new album coming out and you want people to not buy them. I mean, you can buy it if you want, but I wouldn't advise it. They're one, they have one cover. The only song you'll know because they always do covers because that's what they do. And last song of the album is Don't You Forget About Me is made famous by Breakfast Club, Simple Mind. So I I noticed this on Sports SportsZone last week. It's ironic because, I mean... They're basically saying, don't forget about us, even though everybody. I think they're like, oh, don't forget about us. We're back.
1: So, great. Because I see you apparently have changed your background now. You went from Smash Mouth and their terrible album to the Boss Bruce
2: Springsteen. Yeah, I
1: I had to go back to some Springsteen. I'm like,
2: yeah, you know what? Screw this. Alright, um, a recent one actually from eight uh from actually
1: today or I guess last night, you said sure as hell won't pay four fifty for it or maybe I will. What is the story behind and that? And
2: if you look at the previous tweet, John Stewart and Bill Riley, who they they are friends, but they every once in a while they'll go on each other's show and they have a little debate and it's usually it's great stuff. And so they have a new thing uh coming out. They're gonna be it's the uh, the rumble and the air Condition auditorium. It's actually going to be in Washington DC. Oh, we're in. It's going to be at uh, George Washington. Ah. And of course, it, I believe it's October 6th. Uh, $4.50 to live stream. I believe Doug Bell is having a viewing party, as Doug Bell would. Uh, ATV's not, own Douglas Bell. Probably not going to go to that, but its four fifty $4.50 to live stream it online. And I'm just a notorious cheap ass. I just hate spending money. But, hey, maybe I will. I don't know. Maybe I'll find somebody that'll do it for free. I don't know. And they they call it the rumble in the what? The rumble in the air conditioned auditorium.
1: Uh so I'm guessing Instead Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah. The Ollie is Ollie Fraser fight? Or George Foreman? Uh wow. I think I it was know. it was George Foreman, wasn't it?
2: Let me look it up because I am not a huge I mean, I know boxing a little bit, but I don't know. It's de it's Ollie. It is Ollie Foreman, Ollie yes. yes. Foreman, yeah. In that area, yeah. Yes, of course.
1: And um, this one's from the seventeenth. You said the new, and this could be our final one as well. Says so the new judges for American Idol. How bad could it get when they drag out scrubs like Nicki Minaj and Keith Urban? I did see in USA Today that Mariah Carey is going to be one of the judges. Mm-hmm.
2: Have they found the replacement for Steve Tyler? Uh, well, what they have is that they're the judges are going to be. i pretty. I believe. Randy Jackson is not going to be as much of a judge, more of a mentor, because maybe he wants to ease out of it. I so, he should. It's, it's, it's a disaster.
1: And it's, what, 19th season?
2: I don't think it's been 19. It's only been around since, like, 01, 02. But yeah, it definitely, it's definitely <laughs> felt like a while. And, you know, so they brought in Nicki Minaj, who was awful. She She's a judge. She is a judge. She is the last she person I want terrible. critiquing me on singing. And the other person uh, they got brought in, Keith Urban, popular country guy. I don't. I like a little bit of country. Keith Urban sucks. <laughs> so, I mean... So, the singer sucks, with the idea of bringing a country western
1: star into the mix. Cause I think it because a lot of these course. young talents come from my neck of the woods, especially the, I think it was two of the four finalists were sort of mm-hmm. deep, not deep south, but below the uh, central part of the United States latitude line. Yeah, and I know
2: so many people that hate country music. If you have to realize country music is so popular there is so a huge amount of money. There are like four award shows, like country yeah, CMAs. Music. Yeah, Yeah, there are like three or four of them. So it is hugely popular. People. I mean, I know so many people that hate it think, oh, it's only people in the southeast, but those people are idiots anyway. So I mean, not people in the southeast, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, I, got, I have no problem with them going with the country guy. But Keith, I'm like, come on. Maybe someone like Tim McGraw. How about that? Because has a voice. The NBC show has a
1: country singer. I don't know who. Yes. It's a good
2: mix though. I, I forget mean, that guy's name. But they got Adam Levine. who's was awful. I mean, I like his well, single, though. I like his I like new songs, though. doesn't yeah. is own. They got C- Christina Aguilera. But I believe CeeLo Green, I think, is the yeah, other Cilo one. Yeah, CeeLo Green, who I like. And apparently CeeLo Green and uh, I believe it's Christina Aguilar, maybe they want to get back into doing tours and stuff. So they may they may be looking at new ju- a couple new judges there, mix it up a little bit there on NBC. And speaking of country yet. singing, uh, we'll end the
1: show on a sport that Flo and I love so dearly, as much as everyone in the D.C. area should. The chase began with a very surprising Ooh. win by Brad dot NASCAR.com is blowing up, saying this could be Penske's first shot at a Sprint Cup title. We did see on Saturday night that Ryan Hunter Ray shocked the racing world by becoming the first American since Sam Hornish in 2006 to win the IndyCar Series title yep. at the Misfortunes of Willpower. <laughs> he was wrecking on lap 12 or a, yeah. a very early in the race. He could basically control his own destiny. It was great. You had an American winning the championship. You had an American and Ed Carpenter winning the race itself. It was in California, an American city, and for an American racing league. Great Absolutely. way to end the IndyCar Series. I'm also glad it's coming back to Texas next year. It's oh. only in the hands of Randy Bernard and the owners if they can get it right to get a fair amount of racing. But last week's chase race, uh, controversial of Brad Kiedlowski possibly leaving the pit road apron Early, I think it's one of the smartest things he could have done because how else was he going to beat Jimmy Johnson? Yeah. But now this guy is apparently a huge favorite to win the chase after that. First yeah. Time. Well,
2: the thing was, looking at that, I was watching the race. I saw that when that happened, and because it was weird, and they noticed on no, noted on the broadcast, Chicago, which is where it was in Chile, Illinois, Chicago Illinois, Speedway. Their backstretch is curved, oh, yeah. and it was it was it's kind of hard to tell. That track, there's no definite. Yeah, where straight. so it was pretty close, and I think that it was close enough to where they couldn't really say he did it. And here's the thing: Jimmy Johnson did end up going by him. It's not like you know he pulled right in front Johnson a slam on the brake. But Johnson went by, and then Keselowski got in. And he went. Keselowski's been on a great run. I in my chase prediction, I had Greg Biffle winning, and then but I had Brad Keselowski finishing second. I really think that. Because he he runs well at pretty much everywhere he's been running great. Of like he had a terrible start to the year and I really think because you know he's so talented because the equipment's really good that he can very well. Which I would not be surprising at all. Dot and Dodge's final year as well. That's that's what I'm surprising. I guess
1: it's Dodge can has nothing to lose forcing everything in Penske essentially has nothing to lose as well. Quick shout out congrats to AJ Allmendinger being reinstated by NASCAR because now they don't have a second driver to worry about. And uh, at that vacancy, will be filled by Joe Logano. Uh, Penske already got that stuff out of the way. And Paul Wolf's done a great job of crew chief. As we roll into New Hampshire next week as part of our chase coverage here on Fanatic Radio, uh, with wrecking in the wall last week, Jeff Gordon, everyone says is out. I think four guys could essentially win this New Hampshire race before Hendrick Drivers and Denny Hamlin. Mm-hmm. So who do you think has the a slight advantage at
2: NHMS. You know, so it's it's interesting because you didn't know what the ender got. I think you could also get, throw in a guy that's had a fair amount of success. Tony Stewart, of course. He won it last year, didn't he? Yeah, I, but yes, he did. Greg Biffle won it a couple of years ago, so he could be in the mix. I would say the fair. I would, you mentioned Denny Hamlin, I would probably go with Denny Hamlin to win the trade. He has been really hot coming into the chase. He's really good on those uh, short flat tracks. He's great there. He's great at Martinsville, which is like a smaller version of uh, New Hampshire. So I, I think, even though it could be a great race. I could see there are a bunch of really good, talented drivers. You could see someone like Clint Boyer possibly pulling out. He's used one there before. He's got solid equipment. He's good on those kind of tracks as well. But I, if I had if you put a gun in my head, I will, I will take it. Uh, all right, so
1: that's.